back to another episode of Autism Everyday. We are your hosts, Geeta and Swati. Welcome back. So before we get into the discussion for today, we'd like to tell you a little bit about us. We are BCBAs and Act Practitioners. We are super passionate about changing the world, one behavior at a time, of course. <laughs> when we aren't busy running, we can. An ABA-based school for children with autism. We are interfacing with families on building healthy relationships with their child, with each other, and basically with the world around them. With their dogs, even. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which brings us to our latest venture, ProAct. ProAct is Chennai's first ACT mental health clinic. And it's a space where we help people deal with their relationship struggles, implement positive parenting techniques, and so much more. Yeah. So, um, for today's discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about coming of age and planning for the future for your child with autism. I know we have probably, you know, addressed this question and addressed this topic so many times before in, in our earlier podcast. But then there is always so much more to say and so many more new ideas. So we're going to begin with this, with this statement. Time is not on your side. There are many such quotes about time. Time and tide wait for none, how time flies, uh, change is only constant and so on. So why are we you know, talking so much about time? Let's delve a little deeper. According to a recent um, survey that we conducted, most parents said that their child had received a diagnosis of autism between the ages of two and three. And at that age, it always seems like the child is very young and, you know, things can be sorted out, right? There isn't a whole lot of difference between the children with autism and the other typically developing children at this age. It's also a phase when the parent is probably coming to terms with the diagnosis and trying to understand the implications of it, long term, short term, I think mostly long term because you're still dealing with what the heck is this condition. And this is the time when parents are trying to figure out the mix of therapies and interventions that the child needs. And there is advice from other parents, uh, well-meaning family members, therapists, the internet, just so many sources. Two to five is also an age when parents want their child to be going to play school and nursery or kindergarten or whatever and you know hopefully learn to interact with other kids. There's also the belief that the child with autism will observe other kids and learn to talk, maybe learn to play, learn just about everything that's being taught there, be it nursery rhymes, routines, sitting in place, taking instructions from somebody and so on and so forth. And there's a comfort in the knowledge that the child is only two or three or even four and will catch up with the others sooner than later. But we're here to give you a wake-up call. Everybody talks about early intervention. But what exactly goes into early intervention? And what next? What happens after that magic phase of early intervention? So early intervention is when the core deficits like language and communication are addressed. It's also the time that the family is provided with counselling to cope with the diagnosis, training to understand the condition itself, its impact on the child, and of course, the way forward. And parents are such a critical link in the intervention process, and giving them the support at this early stage will help them play a very proactive role in the intervention process. 
also the brain of a toddler is still developing and has more plasticity making significant changes in learning possible but for these changes to happen intervention must be intensive meaningful and relevant for the child and the family rightly said it's not so much about the amount of time spent on intervention or the variety of interventions but it's about meaningful relevant and really systematic intervention and that is where there are likely to be slip ups resulting in precious precious time being lost as dr peter famously said time is not on our side before you know it your chi- your young child with asd will grow up into an adult with autism and being an adult is not easy sometimes parents are taken aback when we tell them hey you know i think your child needs to be sleeping alone you know in his own room yeah and pair some parents are really really surprised when we ask their let's say 10 year old mm-hmm. to begin using a deodorant yeah sometimes even younger than 10 right true or if it's a girl and you know she's let's say 6 7 and we tell them i think she needs to begin wearing you know practicing how to wear a sanitary pad or a tampon or whatever product she'll grow into wearing why do we do this because time is definitely not on your side so if you really look at it it takes an average child x number of trials over x number of days to practice a life skill from start to end such as wearing a pad or using deodorant appropriately or showering independently or even being able to go to bed on his so, own absolutely right? which means before you know it your child is going to be into adolescence and adulthood and if you haven't given him enough number of trials or enough number of days to practice that life skill he's still going to depend on you for his personal hygiene yeah yeah we know of parents who say that their 9 year old isn't ready to sleep alone right and there's only one thing we tell them you just have to make them ready it is your job as their parent to work on every life skill well in advance preferably before they even turn 10 so that you are setting them up to succeed before they hit adolescence and adulthood children between ages of 8 and 10 should be able to shower independently clean up after using the restroom um decide what clothes to wear and of course wear them without assistance complete the laundry for the day be able to brush their teeth clean their eyes comb their hair most importantly check their appearance independently we cannot emphasize on this enough yeah yeah right we never we never think about it we just i'm sure parents just dress their child up and then send them but yeah. does the child know hey i can look at myself and i can you know i just my hair arrange my hair yeah. look cool yeah absolutely <laughs> right boys can begin to use a skin safe deodorant and ensure that they shower and get clean particularly when they're sweaty right mm-hmm. because showering otherwise is only about okay i do it at this time of the day in the morning and this time of the night but what yeah. about when you've been out playing and you're sweaty and what if it's just a hot day the power's day. gone yeah. off and yeah. Yeah, you need to take a shower again. Yeah. So why is this important, you may ask? Beyond actually learning to be hygienic, it is also important that they don't lose out on opportunities to socialize because of something like body odor. I know that would be sad. Right? Or you know just just having like bad breath, yeah, which yeah. gets in the way of forming a friendship. Yeah. 
Girls need to additionally learn about menstrual hygiene as young as maybe six or seven and begin learning to wear and dispose menstrual products safely. This skill extends beyond actually just hygiene to personal safety. Mm-hmm. You don't want somebody else, you know, going into the washroom with them yeah. and helping them change. You don't want that. So this is something you're going to work on if you have a child who happens to be a girl and is on the spectrum, you know, age six or seven. Yeah. So time is not on your hands in every aspect, not just personal hygiene, but also communication and safety skills. Mm. Your eight-year-old needs to be able to communicate his address and emergency contact number. They need to be trained on who to call if they are injured or even if a family member is yeah, injured. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Imagine you're alone at home, right? And you have your child who's grown into an adult with autism and it so happens that the two of you are alone at home. Mm. And let's, let's just imagine for a second that you've suffered a fall or even worse, you're having a heart attack. Would your child or would your adult with autism be able to call a family member or call for an ambulance using a phone? Yeah, so important, right? So when teaching safety skills, it's important to teach them what constitutes an emergency and what doesn't. What they need to do in an emergency versus what they can actually help with in a situation which is not an emergency. Yeah, precisely. Like sometimes you have a fall, you just yeah. need help being picked up, picked up and, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just some first aid. Or yeah. sometimes yeah. Can you get me the ice pack or whatever? Yeah? Exactly. And sometimes that doesn't work. You mm. need an ambulance. So mm. really that distinction is super important. Um, another example is a fire drill. You know, if you happen to stay in a multi-story complex, then does your child know how to respond to the drill? Will he be able to exit the apartment, taking keys in hand and assemble safely downstairs? And will he know how to take the stairs instead of, you know, the usual taking the elevator? Mm-hmm. Teaching him how to use an elevator or how to use the stairs isn't just going to cut it. Absolutely. There's so much more than that, yeah. right? Yeah. So we need to begin to think about how we're going to help them learn to discriminate between when they can use the elevator versus when they can use the stairs. Because you can't use the elevator when there's a fire. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So on that topic, um, let's also talk a little bit about social behavior. Yes, people on the spectrum have a set of challenges to which we are very accepting and we all want to understand diversity and I think we're huge advocates of the fact that everybody is different. Surely. But what happens when this difference becomes a disadvantage and a source of concern even? What happens... Let's say if your child picks up a stone and flings it and it happens to hit a passerby or a car screen. Yeah, there are, there are some children who can't tolerate, you know, seeing a stone on, on the, the way. Road, on the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Now, that's a good example. So what happens if your child screams so loudly that it disturbs the neighbors and becomes a source of stress yeah. all around? Yeah, happens all the time. What happens if your child is disruptive? He throws things, he rams his bike into people. Will he be accepted by everyone around him then? Mm-hmm. Probably not. So on that note, here are some skills you want to focus on. So if you're teaching your child with autism how to ride a bike, for example, you want to focus on teaching him, of course, to put on the helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, safely bring his cycle to the cycling space of course get on it and begin pedaling only when the coast is clear he will need to learn when to 
use the brakes, when to pause and allow other people and vehicles to pass, when to use the bell and how to apologize if he causes an accident. Where do you begin practicing these skills? Right where he learns to ride the bike. If you live in a building or a community, then plant obstacles in the form of people, cars, other bikers and teach him you know, how to pause, how to be safe and how to ensure that people around him are also safe. Teaching skills in a way that will mimic the real world environment is so critical when we begin to teach a skill. Because when we actually start teaching, we teach it in a very sanitized and you know, contrived environment because you want the child to learn. But for the skill to start becoming something that he will use in real life, it has to be practiced in the real world. And that would include disruptions, obstacles, um, unplanned, you know, people getting in the way, various unplanned events like that. And this is the only way your child with autism will learn to deal and cope with real life situations. And it's only then that he can be truly independent. And when do you begin? Um, how about... Yesterday. Yesterday, okay. <laughs> but oops, yesterday is gone. But let's start today now it's definitely better than tomorrow yep time is not on your side you got some catching up to do and on that note we end today's podcast send us your questions and your feedback at wechallengeautism at gmail.com or you can always dm us at wechallengeautism on instagram and facebook see you all next time stay safe